0: Welcome to the PreparedX Podcast, your complete source for crisis, emergency, business continuity, and security preparedness interviews, news, and much more. Now, your host, he creates chaos for a living, Rob Burton.
1: Welcome to episode 77 of the PreparedX podcast. I'm Rob Burton. And just before we get started today, I want to let everyone know uh, that this episode is brought to you by the International Crisis Management Conference. The conference this year is October 27th uh, through the 29th, 2020. And this year will be in a virtual event due to the ongoing challenges around the pandemic and the gathering of large groups. If you go to crisisconferences.com, That's crisisconferences.com. For more details, you'll find out uh, all about uh, this year's virtual conference. And actually, I'm joined today by Heather Engel, who is a speaker at that conference. Heather is a strategic advisor to government and industry clients, specializing in executive support, risk management, cyber and business continuity and security program development. And she founded Strategic Cyber Partners in 2019 and is the managing partner. Welcome, Heather.
0: Thanks, Rob. I'm happy to be here this morning.
1: Great. And uh, before we get started, um, I give a short introduction there, but um, could you let our listeners know a little bit more about your career so far, please?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started working as a technical recruiter way back in the day and uh, decided that um, IT was where it was at. And so I went back and got some additional training, um, started working as a systems administrator, doing database administrations, network design and development, Um, Most of my career initially was spent working with the Department of Defense in the United States. Um, And then I started um, eight or so years ago working uh, cybersecurity in the commercial environment. And so over the course of my career, um, I've done a lot with business continuity planning, risk management, information assurance, and information security. Um, And so now what what I focus on with our clients uh, really is the risk management aspect of uh, maintaining their cybersecurity.
1: Great. Uh, I know uh, today's uh, show is all going to be about or is going to be about uh, cyber. So we're we're looking forward to getting into this. Uh, Let's start off uh, as it relates to a corporation. Um, You know, what individuals, uh, what groups within the corporation usually make up uh, the response to a cyber breach? Uh, And do those differ? Because I know you work with nonprofits and government as well. So I'd I'd love to hear Mm -hmm. your thoughts on those groups that make up that response, uh, cyber response uh, breach team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When we're talking about a cybersecurity incident, um, one of the key mistakes that a lot of my clients make initially is thinking that it's just an IT problem. And this is something that, you know, even in the risk management world, when we first started looking at cybersecurity, we sort of treated it like it was an IT problem. And incident response and, and cyber incident response tends to have the same issues But really what we need to do is we need to pull in decision makers from across the corporation. Um, That includes your executive team. That includes your public relations and your communication staff. Um, Your human resources team is probably going to be involved. Um, There may be external parties. Um, For example, you may need to pull in a law firm that specializes in incident response. Um, If you don't have the capability within your IT set, to do forensics, um, to do the investigation, you again may need to be pulling in some third-party help. So generally, what we have is whoever is working with those third parties are going to be represented in the company. So, i.e., you know, your legal team internal to the corporation is going to work with and and be the primary point of communication to an external legal team that would be assisting you. Great. You know, the second part of second part of your question with. Do these teams differ in nonprofits or government and organizations? I, I think they differ maybe slightly depending on the size of the organization. Um, you know, in a in a typical nonprofit, you're not going to have the layers of depth of management um, that you might have in a larger corporation. But the bottom line is still going to be the same. You're going to need your decision makers. Right. Um, you're going to need the people who understand your network and your infrastructure, and you're going to need the people who understand. Not only the, the financial implications to your company, but also the implications to employees that may work there. Um, and so, it, you know, for a nonprofit, it, it's the same, but the difference is, is that instead of a corporation where we might have 20 people involved, you know, depending on the size of the nonprofit, we may have five. Um, government organizations are, are going to be a little bit different as well. You know, they tend to have teams. Um, And they're divided into directorates that are going to have specialty areas in all of these things. And so when I've done exercises and and incidents with the government, um, they tend to have a, a little bit better organization in terms of knowing who's involved.
1: Great. So I know we're going to dive deep into exercises right now. And, you know, some of our listeners do conduct exercises. Others, you know, certainly want to get involved with them. So as it relates to cyber then, so why should an organization conduct cybersecurity related simulation exercises?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a great question. And I get asked this a lot, particularly in, in the cyber industry most of these organizations are defending against attacks every day, right? We have we have in, in some cases, the IT team is, is kind of the unsung heroes because there are, are in some organizations, thousands and thousands of attacks that don't happen every day. Um, it's the one or two or, or five, you know, that get through that, that we have to plan for. Sure. Um, so when we, you know, why do we need to do this? Because it's important and it goes back to your first question, to to make sure that everyone who needs to be involved is aware that they need to be involved and that they understand their role um, in the involvement through a a cybersecurity incident or even an exercise. You know, and and some uh, some of these people will come in in the very beginning. Some of them won't be brought in until later when we fully understand the scale and the scope of the incident or the exercise. But the bottom line is they're they're all going to be part of seeing this through to closure and so making sure that everyone in the organization who needs to be involved knows that they need to be involved and an exercise will really show us where we have gaps it'll show us um, areas that need a little bit of additional support whether that's internal sending someone to training to to learn what they need to do or whether that's external saying, you know, we don't want to have to do this aspect of this. We're going to outsource it. And then you can find that team before you need it.
1: Sure. Yeah, it makes makes total sense. So as, as um, you know, a first step um, before, I assume there's some, you know, some planning around uh, preparing to conduct um, a scenario. Um, what would those first steps be?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, in general, I I think an understanding of threats to your industry is important. And this doesn't mean that, you know, you need to do a a super deep dive and spend days and days and days, you know, plotting out the different threats. But the point is, you know, we, we see some commonalities when we look at threats, but a hospital, for example, will have a different threat profile than a manufacturing company. They're gonna have different outcomes in the event of a data breach. Um, there's probably gonna be different attack vectors. So we need to have a general understanding of what some of the threats are based on our industry. Um, the second thing that we need is we have to have goals for the exercise. So what is the what is the outcome that we are, are trying to obtain here? Are we doing this for training? Are we doing it for awareness? Um, you know, some of, uh, and putting those goals down on paper is going to be important when you get to your after action reviews um, and looking back to say, did we meet these goals? <clears throat> did we achieve what we were trying to achieve? Um, so you, you'll notice that, you know, I haven't mentioned that you need an incident response plan yet. That, <laughs> that's good to have, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, before you try to put your cyber scenario, security scenario together. But I would say that you probably don't wanna delay the exercise um, because you don't have a fully formed, 100% developed and approved incident response plan. Because a lot of what we're gonna get out of the exercise, right, is going to result in modifications to that plan anyway. So it it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, It can be, you know, just here's a sense of, of what we think needs to be done um for procedures in the event of an incident response um but it, it, i i would recommend in fact that it not be perfect and that you not let that be the the enemy of the good and just getting getting the incident or getting the exercise um set up and, and running
1: yeah, we, we certainly hear that often, and not just in the cyberspace as well, um, with regards to, you know, to planning, you know, you know, it's not been approved, or it's not, we don't feel it's finished, or, you know, not everybody's been trained on it, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, training is important. To, but um, so yeah, we certainly we see that in other environments, uh, as, as well as uh, cyber. So what are some of the common scenarios that you're seeing right now? Um, are they specific um, to different environments with regards to organisations? or are they common across um, all different industries?
0: There there are a few that are pretty common across different industries. And so, you know, for example, ransomware and phishing attacks are going to be common to every industry. And so those are tabletop exercises that we can work through um, with with an assurance that it may be something that we're probably going to have to deal with at some point, right? And, And so those are generally something that we can work through. It's, it's called in some cases a quick fix type of, of scenario where um, we know pretty quickly if we've had a ransomware attack and we can respond to that um, accordingly. And, and so not necessarily that a quick fix means it's easy, right. but it means that it's something that we're able to respond to pretty immediately. Um, we've had the event happen Here's what we need to do next. We know that this is pretty common. So that's always gonna be a good scenario. Um, other things that again are gonna, they're gonna vary slightly based on the industry, right? So we would look at, we would look at a malware infection. And, and if you look at how a malware infection might impact a, a hospital versus the manufacturing firm or a financial company, there are very different outcomes, right? So with a hospital um, or a manufacturer, we may be trying to take down the information system with that malware. Or in the case of a hospital, maybe we're trying to um, exfiltrate uh, protected health information. Sure. Same thing in the financial industry, maybe we're trying to exfiltrate um, or, or cause um, effects on the movement of money, right? So, right. so we'd be looking at um, different types of malware depending on the industry. Um, and and different outcomes of what we think that might do, but that would be another pretty common scenario. Um, one that we've seen more recently in the last couple of years, kind of come to prominence is um, as we've seen a, a huge rise in cloud computing, we have to start to look at cloud compromise as a function of incident response. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there's a misconception I think that. If you put your data in the cloud, uh, that it's that it's safe and secure, and, and it's ready to you know it's it's ready to go, and, and you have less to worry about, and that's actually not true at all. Um, particularly depending on the, the type of cloud service that you're using, um, whether it's software as a service versus infrastructure as a service, we're going to see very different um, scenarios there. And and one of the things with cloud is simply the visibility to understand when and if you've had a data breach. So I would say those are, those are some really common scenarios um, that I would recommend you look at if, if you're planning for an incident response exercise
1: great um so moving on why is it important then to customize uh the scenario to the organization's environment i mean we see um certainly you know one of those you know important reasons is for the engagement of the group obviously you want to make it relevant to their world right and that's certainly one of the big ones we see uh, in cyber but also different types of exercises but um, are there any others
0: yeah and it 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 goes back to a lot of what we've just talked about, about um, different effects on different industries, right? So if, if I'm going to attack a manufacturer, or let's say I'm going to um, attack a, a power plant or a water plant or something like that, there there's a good chance that I'm looking as an attacker to exert some kind of kinetic effect, right? And, and so it goes back to what you just said and speaks to the realism of the people that are participating in the exercise. You want them to be able to get behind the scenario. And, and, you know, one of the things we rely on is that suspension of disbelief, right? We have to right. set aside the idea that this couldn't happen and, um, and really make sure that, that it's realistic. And, and like I said, that it that it is something that could potentially happen in your industry, um, and so though that's going to help a lot with with the realism aspect of it, it's going to help a lot when we go back to say these are the things that we need to change, or these are the things where we need to make an investment right. to reduce the risk. You know, if we've come through a realistic scenario and shown everyone how that's possible, um, then then we've we've set the the groundwork, um, for, for your executive teams and your boards of directors to, to be much more open, um, to making some of the changes that, that we uncover during the exercise.
1: Sure. Um, so as we're talking about exercises, uh, there are different types as, as we know. So I'd love to hear, uh, the different types of exercises, uh, from your perspective. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, I'd love to hear about that.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that, that is interesting in the cybersecurity space is that research shows that many organizations, even if they have an incident response plan that's fully approved, everyone's read it and said it's good to go, most organizations haven't even done a tabletop exercise. So they haven't taken the time to actually walk through the plan and make sure that it works and that it's covered all of their bases. Um, and, and so what we always talk to our clients about is the fact that, you know, an exercise doesn't have to be a full-scale live exercise. Right. And, you know, in the military, we use, we use the term crawl, walk, run. And so the crawl, right, is we're, we're just getting off the ground right. and we start with a tabletop exercise. And, and a tabletop exercise is going to be paper-based. Um, it, it's driven with scripted injects. Um, it's less complex to plan and execute. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is something that in smaller organizations they can sit down with their executive leadership teams in in two or three hours, and and execute a, a tabletop style exercise. It's very limited resources um, are required for this, and and it's pretty simple to set up. and And you would be surprised um, how much you can learn and and how much. Um, you know, maybe changes and things that you need to make based on just walking through it and everybody sitting around the table and talking about it. Um, you know, we've we've done a few lately over Zoom where we have everybody on a Zoom call yep. and, and we're facilitating a tabletop. So, you know, in this time when so many of us are, are working primarily from home and we're not able to do these big full-scale um, exercises where everybody's on site, this is a great time to pull together a tabletop and have everybody sit uh, in the comfort of their home and, and walk through your plan.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, we have found zoom to be great as well with the breakout rooms. So, you know, you can mm-hmm. set off different groups as you would in, in, you know, real life. So yeah, we certainly find uh, you know, zoom and even teams as well. There's a, there's a process in teams that uh, we found useful as well. So sorry, go, go ahead.
0: Yeah, this is, this is a great time to, to do that. Um, you know, if you're if you're talking about the the walk phase, then we're looking at at a hybrid type exercise. So we'll have paper injects, you know, but we would have some live scenarios for realism. So um, we could, in especially in larger organizations, you know, we can pull um, a list of the probes that are coming from across the world and and hitting our firewall. We can look at some of the spoofed emails that are coming in. We can look at, you know, phishing emails that are targeted to our industry. Um, and, and something like that, you know, is going to require a little bit more planning, um, you know, and potentially a longer execution, just depending on on how in depth you want to get and, and the size of the organization. Um, and again, you know, just like with a tabletop, a hybrid, you, you really want to set some solid objectives for what you're trying to get out of, out of this exercise. And, and if you're going to do a hybrid, we hope that you would have done a tabletop (laughs) so that, um, you know, so that you don't put all of this effort into the planning and the execution and you get your executive leadership team there. And, you know, you've asked them to, to, um, provide their time. You you don't want to uncover something in the first couple hours of the exercise that you could have, um, could have set up with a tabletop exercise, or you could have uncovered with a tabletop. And then the final, you know, the final type, which would be our our run, right? This is a full-scale live exercise. Our plan incorporates real scenarios and injects. Um, we, we tend to stay away from the paper injects and we're trying um, to do more realistic things that we're pulling from actual events that are happening um, on our network. But again, this is, this is detailed coordination and planning. This is something that um, it, it has a lot of buildup. It generally takes a while to execute.
1: Sure. Um,
0: we have a, a, a lot of resources invested in this. And so, you know, there, there are not as many organizations that are gonna ever even get to the full live portion of this exercise. And, you know, don't forget in, in the cyber world, we have these things happening every day. Uh, a phishing email getting through is not an uncommon occurrence. In most of my clients and so they're already um, to some extent walking through what's not really an exercise they're doing real-world incident response just on a very small scale um, for some organizations almost daily or weekly.
1: Sure Uh, great information Um, let's talk a little bit about um, if you could uh, the difference between a cyber exercise and other types of uh, crisis simulation exercises.
0: Yeah I think that you know we've always said that cyber is one aspect of risk management and granted it's a big one sure. and it, it can definitely impact other types of crisis simulation exercises. But when we look at something like business continuity planning, don't forget, we're looking at things like facilities. <clears throat> we're looking at location um, and your IT is one is going to be one part of that. And so I think that it differs because it's one piece of a larger crisis simulation exercise. And that doesn't mean that you can't do it by itself. Um, you know, and if, I, if I'm going to work with you, or if you're going to run a, a business continuity um, exercise or a crisis management exercise, you're certainly going to look at cyber as a part of that.
1: Sure. Um,
0: but it's important to remember that cyber doesn't generally stand alone when it comes to, the overall risk management process we have to look at you know what is the impact to the business if we have this type of incident the same as we would with any kind of crisis management but uh, event but this is cyber is truly a, a crisis management event right it's just not necessarily going to mean that we have to pick up and move to another location or that we have to to necessarily lock down our facilities it's all it's all virtual
1: right right. Um, I think we touched on this um, at, at the beginning, or you, you touched on it um, uh, partially. Uh, what what else needs to be in place uh, before you run that exercise? I know you mentioned a, an instant response plan, but you know, is there anything else that needs to be in place?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know we we already talked talked about this a lot with a, a tabletop exercise. You don't need a whole lot in place. You need someone to facilitate the exercise, whether it's an exercise planner within your organization or whether you hire a third party to come in and help you do that. Um, You need a a general sense of a plan, but like we said, not one that's fully formed. Um, I I think basic cybersecurity and and having a a general understanding of your infrastructure um, and and again, the, the general threats to your industry are, are really gonna need to be in place. The other thing that I would say is very important is you're not gonna get very far in running exercises if you don't have executive support. Right. And I, I think that that is such a critical piece before you can run a cyber exercise is you have to have your leadership on board. Um, they have to understand not only the importance of being able to respond, but the importance of investing the time and the resources to do a run through, to, to do these exercises. And that, that really, to me, is probably beyond all the other things that we said, that's probably the most important piece.
1: Excellent information, I appreciate that. So as we start to wrap up here, um, Heather, could you let our audience know the importance of collecting the issues and creating that after action report um, after the exercise is completed?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a great one. You know, there, there have been so many times when I've facilitated or been part of a, an incident response exercise. And as soon as the exercise is done, you know, everybody gets up and they go and that's the end of that. <laughs>
1: right.
0: Um, you know, and, and the problem there is that we've just then invested all this time and we lose the lessons that we learned. Um, and, and without an after-action report and collecting those issues, Number one, nothing happens, right? We, we don't ever generally see someone or a group just walk away from an exercise and then come back to take on fixing any of the issues that were uncovered. So it, it's so important to not only collect the issues, but then assign a plan of action for addressing them. Um, who's gonna be the person who modifies the incident response plan to reflect this new procedure that we developed during the exercise? Um, who's going to be the person who goes and runs down the information on your cyber liability insurance. This is, that's something we haven't talked about through this, but cyber liability insurance, a lot of organizations kind of count on that as the, you know, that's their, in their back pocket. Well, if we have an incident, we'll just call our cyber liability provider. And, and that is probably not the um, that should probably not be the first step. Right. Um, Right. It, it may be, you know, depending on, on how you have planned for this. But again, that's, that's something that if you don't know who your cyber liability provider is, if you haven't read your policy, you don't understand what's covered and what's excluded, those are, that's a critical issue. Um, and, and so if that's something that is an outcome of the exercise, well, who's gonna do that? You have to make sure that somebody is assigned these tasks to not only collect the issues, but assign them out um, to various personnel. And then writing an after action report is important for two reasons. One, it it captures that we did this exercise. And and, you know, when I said earlier that research shows um, a lot of organizations even that have an incident response plan haven't done the tabletop exercise with it. Well, in most compliance regulations, so if you're looking at, at regulatory compliance, whether it's PCI or whether it's a government regulation, um, you know, in the defense contracting world, um, it may be the New York State DFS um, rules and regulations. All of those are going to require you to have tested your incident response plan. And so, not only is the after-action report important so that you can remember your lessons learned, but you have evidence then that you've actually done that tabletop
1: exercise. Right. Right. Excellent. Well, a great way to kind of wrap that up. Um, thank you uh, for your time today, Heather. That was uh, an interesting episode. I think it will be very well received by the audience here. Uh, do you have any final comments? Um, and also how can uh, folks get a hold of you if they want to reach you?
0: Sure. Um, you know, final comments. Just I think that we, we don't need to make this really complex. And, and as with so many things, the important thing is just to start. You know, just start planning an exercise, um, look at, at some of the things that we talked about today, get some procedures down on paper, and, and just, start, just start to move forward with it. Um, so again, this was, this was enjoyable. I had a great time talking with you today. Um, people can find me at strategiccyberpartners.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn as Heather Engel, and so I look forward to connecting with some of your
1: listeners. That's wonderful. Again, appreciate your, your time today, Heather. Well, <clears throat> that wraps up episode 77 of our uh, podcast here. Can't believe we've reached the um, 77 number. So I encourage you to please rate us on any of the platforms and the outlets where you're listening to us or provide any comments if you're listening to this via our website. Um, we really appreciate you listening. And again, thanks um, to Heather. Thank you. Take care. Bye.